Keeping it live and local with Luke Lipinski on The Rundown, 98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Welcome back to the show. Still recovering from ASU's 28-27 loss on Saturday morning to USC. The Cardinals game, by that point, I was just kind of numb to football over the weekend. Although, Cardinals found a way to hurt me, too. That was nice. It was a fun weekend. Joining us now on the Coulter Automotive Group Sports Line, Chris Cartman of Sun Devil Source to lend some insight on uh, ASU's opener. Chris, thanks for the time. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great, Luke. How are you doing? Uh, I'm like, well, I'm doing all right. Like I said, recovering from this weekend of football. But uh, let, let's start with the positives from that ASU game against USC. I, I, it seems weird to say that with the way it ended, but I, I thought they outplayed USC, honestly, for about 55 minutes of that game. What did you take from that game that you think they can build on going forward? Well, I think clearly they outplayed USC for the vast majority of the game. And I would even say that they outcoached uh, USC. Marvin Lewis and working with Chris Hawkins, they had a great game plan defensively. Um, you know, How many times do teams give up almost no big plays in the passing game against that potent of an offense for almost the entirety of the game? And that's what ASU did. Uh, you look at Jack Jones and Chase Lucas, there were no big completions outside the numbers, uh, really nothing that was behind the defense. I think I only counted one real coverage breakdown where Jack Jones didn't trail a receiver because maybe he was he thought he was in zone, but it really should have been in man. And um, just uh, against uh, Keaton Slovis, they really made him struggle to find open receivers against their zone, which they ran probably 80% of the time or more. Uh, And then really um, the linebackers uh, showed that they were a lot better in coverage in this game. Uh, Merlin Robertson had that interception. Kyle Soley should have had an interception. Those guys did a good job really uh, throughout in, in all facets. And there was better pass rush and just overall defensive line play. Um, than I had anticipated, especially at those end positions uh, where Tyler Johnson and Michael Matus held up quite well. And then the run game uh, on offense was stellar, really. Um, People didn't know what to expect when you had so many new offensive linemen that you're replacing and multiple transfers and Ben Scott's a retro freshman never played before and all new running backs replacing Eno Benjamin. But I think we saw pretty clearly that Rashad White is special. Uh, for a junior college transfer. DeMonte Tranum is a exceedingly good uh, freshman at 230 pounds and physical and fast and athletic. And the offensive line did a very good job. Um, I thought Kellen Deesh in particular, the left tackle transfer from Texas A&M, uh, had a great showing. And to me, he looks like an NFL prospect. So plenty of very positive things that ASU has to build upon. Uh, going back to the defense for just a second, because the, the defense, at least for me personally, was why I was looking forward to this season. Even at points last season, I was looking forward to this season because of guys like Merlin Robertson and just the, the experience that they were getting. And Jack Jones, I thought, played a phenomenal game when he wasn't cramping up against uh, Imon Ross St. Brown and, and everybody on USC. My one concern maybe concern's not even the right word, but just my one hesitation coming into that game was, you know, you are working in Antonio Pierce and Marvin Lewis as your defensive coordinators. No Danny Gonzalez. It didn't really seem like there was an adjustment period for them. And if that's the case, is it safe to say ASU's defense should be a strength here going forward the rest of the season? Absolutely. Um, I, I think, again, something that we talked about in the past was how much more instruction 
that they got with coaches on the field because of this COVID situation in months that they ordinarily would not have been able to do so. You know, I'm thinking like uh, August, September, uh, even before they started their preseason practices and what that provided from a schematic fluency uh, standpoint to those guys on defense. It looked much better structurally than would typically be the case for a first game, in my opinion, even when you have a lot of veteran players as they do on defense. And there's just absolutely no way that they will play in their next five games uh, any team that has nearly as much potency in the passing game as USC. And so when you don't give up any big plays until really the, the last four minutes of the fourth quarter, uh, in that respect, Slovis had zero touchdown passes uh, in, until the very end of the game when he had those two. Uh, I think that's a, that's a really terrific sort of sign, especially when they uh, did a pretty good job against the run and uh, their pass rush and just overall sort of physical presence at the line of scrimmage was better than I had anticipated. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball, you mentioned the running backs, and, and it was certainly encouraging to see what we saw from from White and Trainum. As far as the receiving game, I mean, White had the, the big play, and it was just a short pass. He took the distance. He was the leading receiver, but LV Bunkley-Shelton, we saw in on some plays. Johnny Wilson had kind of a tough day. How do you assess the receiving group? Because they didn't have Frank Darby for most of that game. That was big because even if Frank Darby doesn't become a high-volume target guy in that game, you still have to respect his deep threat capability because he's probably the best returning Pac-12 player in terms of the home run ball. And so that means that you have to roll safety coverage over to him. It creates more uh, space to work in with the other receivers and man coverage. And I think that makes it a little bit easier for a guy like LV Bunkley Shelton in particular, who's pretty elusive underneath to be able to get some separation. They didn't have that as much in this game. I think it, it, it became uh, a much easier sort of game planning for uh, USC's defensive staff when that was the case. And ASU, uh, even though they ran the ball really well, I thought they got a little bit narrow in their overall play calling with Zach Hill. Uh, we didn't see them sort of try to mitigate their, their, off, their wide receivers' issues by going to some more play actions in that third quarter or early fourth quarter to get tight ends involved, maybe some bootlegs, uh, some, some, some design sort of rollouts, some half-field reads for Jaden Daniels to have more time on read options and be able to get some levels concepts and get the receivers running around a little bit more freely and, and get more comfortable with some of the routes. I just think that maybe it got a little bit too narrow for them, partly because they were having some success running the ball and had a lead and were trying to bleed off some clock. Talking to Chris Cartman of Sun Devil Source. Chris, we've talked about a, a lot of the positives from this game and a lot of reasons to be encouraged, but they ultimately did lose in pretty gut-wrenching fashion when you consider the fourth downs that were converted and the onside kick that USC got back and ASU not able to, uh, to score. I mean, Sun Devil still had a chance to just come down and win it in the final minute 20 anyway. That said, how do they bounce back from that then, or do you think they will? Because assuming the game against Cal happens this weekend, Cal's got a pretty good defense, and they've got a half-decent team. Not as good as USC, but they're decent. Absolutely. So, look, I think if you're Herm Edwards and these coaches, you have to frame it like uh, we were the better team. We should have won. We let that game get away from ourselves because we played poorly in a few minutes uh, at the end. But, um, you know, we still have uh, a lot of ability 
to uh, go out and win the rest of our games. We have a chance to be favored, really, in the rest of our games. The toughest opponents are at home, Sun Devil Stadium, Cal, and Utah. UCLA is not looking that good. Uh, Colorado and Arizona are road games that ASU probably should win, Uh, just when you look at sort of the talent and and where those teams are at in in their development. So uh, I think think they're just saying, look, let's just – Let's just try to get some momentum going. Let's get a win at home. Let's figure out the best way we could do that. Uh, but, yes, Cal is a difficult opponent. Uh, Chase Garbers, you know, being healthy and getting their whole uh, wide receiver core back, plus a pretty strong defense, even if they lost uh, their top tackler from last year as a linebacker, Evan Weaver, who was really tremendous. Uh, it's not going to be an easy game. But, um, you know, I think ASU should has the advantage. They should be able to be quite limiting to Cal's offense. They just can't turn the football over and do the, do the, the things that could sort of shoot them in the, in the foot, like giving up, uh, you know, fourth and long situations, having special teams miscues like they had with Jack Jones and those types of things. James Daniels is not going to turn the football over. The running backs, I think, are, are very solid. If they play a relatively mistake-free game and get the type of defense that they did against USC, they really should beat Cal. Yeah, and like you said, they really probably should win the rest of their games if they play the way they did against USC. Chris Cartman, great stuff as always. I do feel a little bit better about Saturday now after this conversation. So thanks for that. Thanks for the time, man. Things are building pretty well for ASU overall, Luke. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. Okay. Thanks a lot, Chris. Okay, thanks.